What's going on, everybody? Welcome and welcome to another episode of If You Know You Know, episode 79. Look how far we've made it, Belle. So many episodes, I can't even keep count anymore. I am super excited about today's episode. We have some pretty special guests joining the conversation. Um, I'm super excited to get to know Robbie uh, and Ender here. Thank you both for coming. Before we make uh, y'all's intro, uh, we have a pretty packed episode talking about Dookie Dash, talking about gaming and AI metaverses, future of music NFTs, and open meta uh, not open meta, open edition meta. Uh, so lots to talk about, lots to cover. I think uh, this may or may not get controversial. I don't know, but we hope so. <laughs> but before we get started, welcome. Um, Belle, how are you doing? How are you feeling? I am doing fantastic. I got front run today by our very own special community members. Shout out to Rick. Shout out to Lucia. Thanks for joining us. Shout out to Raul. So many of you are in here that that, um, are our friends and we appreciate all of you for joining us today. This is If You Know You Know. And up on top here, I've pinned the tweet of this particular space. If I can ask everybody to go out and retweet that, that would be amazing because we have an amazing show today. Every single week, Wednesday, 4 p.m. Central Standard Time. Don't miss it. Don't miss it, people. Um, all right, let's get started. Welcome, Robbie and Ender. Robbie, uh, Robbie Young, CEO of Animoca Brands. Not a big deal whatsoever. Um, <laughs> for people don't know, you're about to find out how big of a deal this man is. And if then, you didn't know, and, now you know. Yeah, if you didn't know yet, now you know. And Ender Fool, CEO of Pixel Links. Uh, also a big deal. Uh, super excited to have you guys. How are you? Thank you for joining. Robbie and Ender, let's, yeah, let's start with you, Robbie. Hi, how are you? Thank you for having me. Really, really appreciate the time and uh, and it's great to be here. Thank you for coming. Ender, are you with us? I know you um, had a little ruggy moment at the beginning. <laughs> yeah, yeah, my, my internet jumped, uh, dropped for a second. Yeah, good to be here. Yeah, good. excited to, to catch up and uh, hey, Robbie. Hey, Ender, what's up? I'm good, I'm good. How are you doing? Thank you good. for coming, Ender. Uh, so let's jump right into it. Um, I want you guys to give a quick, super quick, just background on what Animoca Brands does and what Pixel Links does and kind of your role within it. So just so for people to have a little more context as we get into the conversation. And then we're going to start right in with the Dookie Dash meta. Cool. Okay. Um, maybe I'll jump in. Um, so my name is Robbie. Um, I am the CEO at Animoca Brands, and we make games. Um, so we're, I guess, one of the sort of biggest and oldest uh, in the space, making games featuring blockchain. Um, we've been doing it now since uh, the end of 2017, uh, when we collaborated originally with uh, the folks at Dapper Labs on a game called CryptoKitties. Um, and so we make all kinds of games across mobile and um, and PC and casual games, hardcore games, AAA games. Um, and then we're also one of the most active uh, investors in the Web3 space. Like I said, not a big deal. Go <laughs> go on in there. <laughs> yeah. 
it's hard to hard to follow that one up, Robbie. Thanks. Um, yeah, Pixelinks is a is a new company we launched uh, two two years ago. It was founded by myself, Dead Mouse, uh, and Richie Horton. Uh, both Dead Mouse and Richie are, are you know iconic musicians, but also technologists. They've they've been investing and in building uh, you know technology for for many years. You know whether it's bringing uh, new tools into the DJ booth or even just bringing things like the Unroar engine into their into their you know live performances. So we got together to, you know, build a new music company that would explore how we can bring, you know, music, gaming, Web3, uh, AI, you know, together to really create new products that would push the music industry forward, not just the experience, but also the business of it. Um, so our first product is um, called Elinxa. It's a cross-platform game, but um, the first touch point is on mobile AR. So you can imagine it like a sort of a music Pokemon and you can explore the world and discover uh, exclusive uh, music content and NFTs from your favorite artists. So super fun. And we're about to introduce um, some, ex you know, the uh, the companions in the game, which is going to be really exciting. But yeah, we can touch on that. It's a it's a whole sort of music ecosystem that we're building here, and you know, really trying to give artists a new canvas to express themselves and connect with fans through the lens of gaming. Um, and um, quite recently, uh, Anima Brands uh, acquired a majority stake in the company. So working really closely with Robbie and the team to start bringing music experiences and, and bringing music into the metaverse, really, through you know, our, our combined channels. That's, that's really, really awesome to hear. Animoca Brands is um, such a huge player in the space, right? And, and such a tremendous brand to be connected with. Um, you also came with Dead Mouse. I mean, that's a tremendous brand just to even get started with. That's really, really amazing. And I can't wait to hear more about that. And congratulations on just that journey and, and, you know, hitting it on something. Music NFTs, in my opinion, is going to be revolutionary for the space and for just the world in general. It's just one of those things that everybody can relate to, right? Who doesn't talk about music when they talk about um emotionally relating to something. It's one of those things that tugs at your heartstring and just can potentially become something that that touches the hearts of mainstream, um, you know, as we know it. So I think that that's one of the keys. And I've always believed that musicians in the space and music NFTs is potentially one of those keys that we need to be leaning more into for for that. So definitely looking forward to hearing more about that. I want to jump straight into um, the topic of the day is Dookie Dash, the key to mass adoption, talking about adoption, talking about how, how we can bring in more people, what it is that appeals again to the hearts of mainstream, you know, people um, and the world and gaming is one of them. I mean, Pokemon Go was one of the most uh, iconic as a mom I can tell you that that's something that we discuss in my household again and again and again and again and I just remember my son being like can we go to the park now can we go to the park now can we go to the park now you know it's just something that it's just something that becomes part of um part of life I guess so when you brought that up I, I, I immediately thought okay this is something that um that speaks to a lot of different worlds. So um, let's talk. Let's talk about Dookie Dash, Adamoka Brands. Obviously, you know I want to hear the 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 um, opinion, or I guess the stance on you. We've now had this for a couple of weeks. We continue to see the daily scores being posted. We continue to see the excitement. We continue to see so many people like say things like, "Oh man, I've been 
I've been playing Dookie Dash for 10 hours a day today. I haven't accomplished anything other than this. Um, and there's two sides of the story, and I would love to explore that. I'm going to invite everybody up here. If you are down in the audience and want to come up here as a speaker, we would love to just open up the conversation to everybody. If you're in a position that you can't come up here for whatever reason, um, feel free to drop the questions down in the chat, and we will definitely get to them. Inder, how about we start with you? Oh, yeah, this is an exciting one. Um, yeah, I think 100%. It's it's a really important part of um, getting driving mass adoption. Um, you know, I think this, you know, hitting these milestones of delivering like mini games and just these experiences is one piece of building up towards, you know, a larger metaverse for um, that, you know, that many like platforms like, you know, for, um, other side and you go a building. So I 100% think it's a key to, to mass adoption. I think there is obviously the, the, the Yuga effect around this. It would be harder, I think, for other companies to sometimes be able to deliver the same level of excitement, but it's just such a well-executed um, moment. And I think puts a really unique framework in place for other companies to think about, you know, how do you start to build, you know, uh, excitement towards, you know, the product and, and really kind of creating some momentum around um, you know things like scores and leaderboards and yeah I, there's a there's a bunch of stuff we can d dig into but at a high level I think 100% amazing framework to to emulate for many other companies as well. The leaderboard has been something very incredibly important not just on Dookie Dash but I would say in Web3 in general mm -hmm. you know we see a lot of platforms launch and and a lot of um, just financial things um, for NFT traders etc all, you know, leaning on leaderboards. How important do you think that that is um, for the ecosystem? Yeah, it's huge. I mean, we we launched a, a mini sort of alpha test last month with uh, our mobile AR game, and we introduced the leaderboard into it. And it was so interesting. We had these community challenges. So it was like, you know, once 5,000 collectibles had been found, that's level one. And the highest level was, I think, over 30,000 collectibles. So players basically had you know a couple of weeks to kind of get to that community number but also an individual leaderboard and and it was just it just really drives engagement it keeps everyone completely connected and competitive but also in a fun way at the same time so yeah it's an incredibly important you know tool that that's needed when you're designing these games but it can also be amplified i think you know with the use of influences and um you know like what you know what um the team did with dookie dash you know, bringing the esports angle into it as well is just such a great way to just blow this out, you know, not just in this kind of circles of Web3, but now suddenly, you know, two millions of people around the world. So, yeah, th that's the way I think we'll see many of these projects really start to bring the potential of Web3 gaming to life, you know, beyond, um, you know, the kind of niche, niche circles. I want to uh, just give more context to this conversation because Animoca Brands partner with Board 8 Yacht Club, uh, I believe, in December of last year. And that's when y'all announced that partnership of like, hey, we're going to start to develop and publish some blockchain games uh, with, you know, Board 8 Yacht Club and other blue chip uh, collections like Cool Cats. Um and, and I'm sure many others that I, that I can go on a list of Animoca brand being involved with. Um, but how are you? So obviously, you know, I think that Animoca brands and, and these partnerships kind of send that message of like, hey, we are going, this is the direction that we're going. The gaming is the direction that we're going. 
Um, and then Dookie Dash happened and kind of gave us of like, oh, okay, okay, okay. This is what y'all meant by games. And this is how you guys are utilizing it. Um, and I think it, it was extremely genius on the sense of like, you're turning non-gamers into gamers, you know, you're, you're changing habits. And, and to be able to do that is so incredibly hard. Uh, so when, uh, when a community like Board at Yacht Club is able to do it, um, it, it has a huge merit. But it's not all cool, you know, it's not all roses and flowers. There's also the other side of if we're talking about gaming being the key to mass adoption, accessibility is probably one of the main things that um, really are going to drive that mass adoption. Not everybody is able to uh, drop one ETH, two ETH for a, uh, a sewer pass, right? Uh, and that has kind of been the opposite uh, opinion on is Dookie Dash really going to get us to mass adoption? I think, you know, I think, you know, that's the question that we're posing today. And I think there's a lot of grays within it. I think different iterations of Dookie Dash, this is me personally, different iterations of Dookie Dash may lead us to mass adoption. Um, but what was the, the thought behind making it a little bit more exclusive uh, rather than maybe doing, hey, we're going to do level four passes for the holders and then maybe tier one passes at a lower price for anyone that wants to play. Um, I'll, I'll, I don't know if Robbie, if, if you have, you know, sure. some, some insight into that. I'm, I'm happy to jump in. Although let me, let me clarify first and say that we didn't make Dookie Dash just so that that's clear. Um, although we do, we're shareholders in Yuga and we do a lot of stuff together. Um, and obviously we make a lot of games, but we didn't make this particular one. Um, but Doogie Dash is what I would call a relative... I mean, it's a, it's a very proven gameplay style. It's an endless runner. And for any of you who remember Subway Surfers and Temple Run, I mean, these are very tried and tested mechanics that people love. And they're very... They're timeless... Um, they're very accessible and easy to play, um, and they're super casual, which is why if you go to the App Store, you'll see literally thousands of Endless Runner games because it's a, it's a great mechanic, just like Match 3 puzzle games, for example. Um, so it's a great way to engage players, and everybody likes it, whether you're young or old, male or female, everybody likes an Endless Runner. So it's a good genre to choose in this case. I think that... I would say Dookie Dash specifically is not the key to mass adoption, um, but I think that the what they're doing using Dookie Dash is um, trying to figure out how you can innovate the incentive and engagement mechanisms of a Web three community through this particular game. So obviously, as you mentioned, you know people are not going to drop a couple of ETH for sewer passes if they're not kind of part of this community because this is a particularly high spending community and that's the board api club um, and so the product is speci specifically geared towards that community but the mechanics are things that we can think about using in other contexts so think about how they execute their leaderboards how they execute this sort of play to mint mechanic if you will and how they kind of breadcrumb rewards through the process of 
engaging with the game and achievements on the leaderboard and recognition of those achievements. So they're trying to they're they're using a lot of things that have been tried before, but putting them together in a novel way that really embraces Web three. And so I think it's that kind of thinking that we can extract from this and think, oh well, what if we did this in other contexts, maybe with activities that are not gated or maybe with activities that are done for different communities or you know communities that are at a more accessible price point etc yeah and thank you for clarifying that i think that and and i think that's an, an additional question of how involved is animilka brands whenever you you guys partner and and obviously feel free to to share as much as or as little as sure. you're able to but um, you, you do partner with different, uh, you know, big projects, Web3 native projects like Board It Yacht Club and Cool Cats. Um, so what what is more so kind of the Animoca brand's uh, vision of like, uh, what is your, what are you adding, right? Like, is it, sure. are so, you adding anything within the game development um, or what is your place in, in it? Sure. So I think um, in this specific, in this specific case with Yuga, for example, we're shareholders of Yuga. We worked together with them on the launch of ApeCoin and OtherSide last year, um, including the land sale for OtherSide. Uh, and we announced in December, was it December, November, December, after NFT NYC in December 2021 uh, that we would be launching a fighting game. So it was the first announced game, but it has not yet launched um, featuring the Board API Club. Um, and obviously, you know, we may be working on other things as well, um, but that's what we've announced publicly. Um, so we work quite closely with the team uh, and also we work closely with other collections as well. Um, and, re you know, recently we announced that we're working closely with Cool Cats. Um, and we launched <clears throat> um, a collection for the World Cup featuring cool cats and football clubs through our joint venture with One Football. Big moves being made right there. Um, I, I, the other side of gaming that I want to bring up um, is gaming in crypto, uh, in, at least in the last, at least throughout 2021 was mainly focused on uh, play-to-earn uh, games like Axie Infinity. Uh, that was huge. And, uh, you know, some of the results weren't as expected. And now we're seeing kind of a new shift uh, into a different type of gaming model. What are you guys seeing? And, and this is for both of you. What are you guys seeing as the next, you know, big thing, the next big alpha as far as, the gaming world since play to earn seems to n maybe not have been it maybe not it's not the answer Robbie, i'll let you i'll let you lead <laughs> okay um so i think i think again um the best thing that we can learn from early play to earn models and you know obviously axie infinity being the six six million six billion dollar gorilla in the room um is that the outsized success of that shows us what's possible. And I think that one of the things that most of the players in the space so far should get credit for is innovation. And so the play-to-earn concept was quite a novel innovation. And I think that it has yet to be refined and kind of um, 
you know, done in a way that we that is we can all agree is very sustainable and proven over a long period of time because you know it's still early days. But I think what it does point to is how we can leverage Web three incentive and reward schemes to basically recognize the fact that players in games are spending their time there and participating, and perhaps some of that participation should be rewarded um, because maybe there are ways where we can create in-game economies that reward people who do work. And I'll give you an example. You know, If you're a very active player in a game and the game is a city-building game, then you know, maybe it requires hours and hours of, of grinding in the game, essentially, to create buildings. So if you have the resources, um, you know, why shouldn't there be a me- mechanism that allows you to pay somebody else in in-game currency to build the buildings for you? Because maybe you can hire some students who have lots of free time and want to make some spare money. Um, and that also can be a form of, of play to earn. And, and I think we see these kind of things happening, you know, obviously in the physical economy, and there's no reason that we shouldn't be able to enable that activity um, in the digital economy. Robbie, you, you uh, reminded me of another project. Um, NFT Worlds was poised to become and did become for a minute there a really interesting gaming NFT project. They were... I know that I'm going to get this technically wrong, but I do. But they were like laid on top of the the um, Minecraft mechanism or or data, if you will, world. Correct, exactly. Yeah, okay, thank you, <laughs> thank you. Because obviously, I'm not a gamer, and I'm like, I yeah, they were they were running the a Minecraft way. server. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. And um, for a while there, in the very beginning, right, Minecraft, they were working. Suppose it, well, not supposedly, they were working with Minecraft. Um, in developing this, not, not with permission, allowing them to explore it until Minecraft came back one day and said, we've explored it enough. It's a no-go. We're not going to take this any further. Do you think that there is a world in which blockchain games, NFT games, um, metaverse games, etc., make it to the big leagues without Minecraft, the Roblox, et cetera, you know, allowing the space for that or being on board. Because when that happened, I remember there was so much backlash of um, the gaming world, the traditional gaming world um, against anything that had to do with NFTs. So I think first the answer is that um, customers are not a zero sum game. So I think you see, new and exciting games coming out all the time and that that is not necessarily at the expense of older games um one example i think um i don't i don't know how old your kids are um but when uh when fortnite came out a few years back i remember for about a year parents complaining about nothing else except that their kids were spending all their time playing fortnite and it was a massive phenomenon it was so successful um but the interesting thing is that if you actually look at the user usage statistics, um, Minecraft play and and user numbers actually did not drop off, and it was you know it was argued that this was the same audience, similar you know a lot of age demographic overlap, etc. And the interesting things thing was that for kids who were playing a lot of Fortnite, they were still playing Minecraft for all the reasons they love Minecraft. They were just doing it at the expense of other activities, not their Minecraft activity. So it was definitely not a zero-sum game. And I think that 
the kind of mass adoption of games that use blockchain as its infrastructure um, will really just come based on the quality of the games and how engaging they are. I think the backlash we've seen so far is basically because traditional gamers, number one, don't really understand what blockchain provides them in a game because if they really understood that actually, you know, it's just a good game, but now you have actually ownership of your digital stuff um, as opposed to just having to pay, pay, pay all the time, I think that, um, you know, would be a very compelling proposition. But I think that the early the early blockchain games that focused very much on um, financial-oriented mechanics, I think... Um, created an atmosphere where traditional gamers who were learning about the space just didn't really understand that there was more to it than that. So I think we just have to build more games and show people more exciting experiences to, to get them on board slowly. And, and remember that this takes time. I mean, you know, the iPhone came out in 2007 and Angry Birds didn't come out for another four years. Good point. So my son is 14. And I know exactly what you mean by he didn't change gaming. He just switched over from one game to the next and continued going. <laughs> um, exactly. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I 100% see what you're saying. Indra, I would also love to get your take on this. What do you think? Yeah, no, I completely agree with Robbie. Um, the way we think about it in in Elinxer and, and the games that we're developing is we are really excited about this fan artist kind of co-creation opportunity. And, you know, UGC, whether it's TikTok videos, for example, are such an important part in how artists can get discovered in the world today. So we think a lot about, well, how would artists get discovered in the metaverse? And what kind of content would fans be creating that helps them share and be part of this artist's vision and story and so there's a number of different formats that you know could be that that we're testing so we're really excited about that idea of fan artist co-creation and so when we think about play to earn or any sort of kind of token based uh, idea or or value based system it's really about how can the artist and the fan create this value together and the fan get rewarded for creating content or being part of this um, experience so we're creating a lot of UGC tools that basically let artists give fans content and then fans can remix it and make hundreds of different things from this content that um, the artist has sort of guided them uh, in that direction of. And we think that's really interesting. We, we did a, an, a, a test of this last year where we gave fans a bunch of 3D assets from Dead Mouse's latest single and a brief and 6,000 fans took part in this experience. They made this music video, which looks incredible and it has over a million views online. And it was really interesting. It was like this beautiful 3D music video made 100% by the fans and it completely transformed the way Dead Mouse was gonna would think about music videos going forward. So that's an example of where we see, you know, this idea of play to earn and, and how does it relate to, you know, our idea of Web3 gaming is really about the fan artist relationship and how can we create these fun ways for them to co-create together and experience the music, but then also potentially create value on top for providing this service, as Robbie mentioned. Is that how Pixel Links uh, was created? Because uh, one of my questions that I was going to throw at you, Indra, was what is the opportunity that huge artists like Dead Mouse are seeing into this world? Because we've seen a few artists, you know, come in and, and participate, but not really maybe 
stay for the long term. Um, they mostly experimenting. So the fact that you know you guys are co-founding, or that he, him, and and other big artists co-founding this initiative, um, it just you know I'm super curious to know what was it that made him say, okay, like this is actually the future or this is how I see it working. So it's worth me, you know, investing all my time, my right. name and resources into this. So, so Deadmas, Joel's always been a gamer and a programmer before he actually started making music. He, you know, he's programming like as a job. So he's always been incredibly close to technology and, um, you know, he was using things like the Unreal Engine in his live show. So he was using a game engine to power the visuals for his live show many years before the game, the music industry even knew what the Unreal Engine was. So he's really at the cutting edge, right? He's always been part of this, this kind of evolution of uh, interactive experiences and content. Um, and it's funny, a lot of people don't know this story, but our first prototype was actually a product that uh, Deadmau5 had built. The first version that we were testing was 100% made by Deadmau5 himself. So it was a very easy decision about moving forward with this company and saying like, this is, you know, we think gaming is gonna be the future of music because he was already deeply experimenting, you know, building things and testing out all of these different gaming style um, technologies in his uh, music world. So. Uh, that was really the kind of origin. And, and yeah, it, you know, from his perspective and, and ours as well, we, we really think gaming is going to unlock, you know, with the combination of Web3, some of the most interesting new uh, revenue streams for artists in the music industry. Um, and, you know, we can just see some small examples of what's happening, you know, recently with NFTs and, and the potential. But we look at it like products like, you know, Kanye West, for example, launches a STEM player and, you know, earns two million dollars, you know, on the first day he would have had to have 500 million streams to earn that amount of money in, in, on Spotify. So we're thinking about it like that. How can we build products that allow artists to really create some really interesting new formats and tools that uh, are almost like they're launching new products and, and new experiences? And our ecosystem is really there to support them as they uh, you know, start to build their you know, vision in the metaverse. So I, it's much more than NFTs when we think about, you know, what we're really trying to help artists with in, in, in terms of entering the space. What was the video that you mentioned uh, earlier? I'm, I'm, I was trying to look it up because I would love to see that. Yeah, it's called When the Summer Ends uh, by Deadmau5. When the Summer Ends. I'm yeah. going gonna, gonna to play that one. Oh, there's When the Summer Dies and When the, yeah, summer... When the summer Dies. Yeah, that's the one. Oh, perfect, yeah. perfect. <laughs> Really um, the whole whole video is like full 3d made by fans it's, it's really cool that is actually a really cool use case um i was gonna say at the beginning you were talking about pokemon uh and music put together uh or pokemon go type experiences and music put together so we're already here uh, that I think falls into the topic of future of music NFTs. So let's just let's just dive into that. Um, what do you mean by Pokemon Go? Is is kind of like a um, not AI uh, augmented reality type of experiences, or how do you see the future of of music NFTs um, with pixel links, or in general? I think I think you know. Um, this is going to be a huge thing that probably multiple players are going to be contributors to it. 
Yeah, for sure. I, I mean, for us, it's all about just interactivity. And so the mobile game is like uh, Pokemon Go in terms of you explore the world. It's a geolocation game. So uh, it's, tra you know, your map is, is visible and you can see NFTs everywhere on the map. So it makes collecting really easy. You know, you can get your first NFT for free. You can start building a whole collection of these and you can earn more by going to uh, shows, for example. So if you go to a concert, the artist may have left some exclusive NFTs around the show. So we're really gamifying the idea of just collecting. It's the first step. And um, some really fun insights. I mean, people can spend, you know, 20 to 30 minutes a day just, you know, going for walks and collecting this content. And it's, it's interesting because it introduces new forms of discovery. Uh, it's not necessarily so driven by like the traditional playlisting model. You know, you're actively going out to find this music. And what we found is people have a deeper connection to the songs that they discover. You know, they actually like listen, they lean in. And it's a big theme to how we, we think about just, you know, what kind of experiences do fans, you know, really want is we're trying to create more interactive ways for you to really lean in and, and get closer to the music. So um, the mobile game is the first step. It's a really fun collection tool. Uh, we think it's a it's a great pathway to mass adoption because ultimately you can start collecting for free. Um, but that will then lead into a whole um, you know uh, network of other products where you can take these NFTs and now actually use them in in other ways, whether it's remixing or playing mini games. I can only imagine Belle taking a walk and getting her phone out and just getting NFTs throughout the walk. I feel like that's your dream. If you can just touch grass and then be a DJ and collecting NFTs, I think, you, and music, and music on top of that. <laughs> you would never be able to sit me down for another meeting ever again. You would want to have a meeting with you and I would tell you, you need to walk with me um, and let's make this happen. You have no idea how addictive uh, that would be. I would be going to my 14-year-old saying, uh, can we go for a walk now? We've got some of our community in here as well. I'm pretty sure some of them were getting about 2,000 NFTs a month just from collections. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's really interesting. Super fun. Well, that, that's a little, that's great. And by the way, um, we want to open it up to anyone that wants to chime in into the conversation. So feel free to request um, right now. Do you think this model only works for like big celebrities that already have kind of like that crowd, that audience that like, or actually, let me frame it a different way. Do you think that this is only applicable for experiences like, Coachella, where you have a bunch of people outside consuming music as a community, and you're adding this gamified experience on top of it. By the way, I think that would be freaking nuts if you like that. Would, I can totally see that as a headline for the next Coachella. Um, or do you also think that this is applicable for like? day-to-day -day, you know a, a musician that plays at a small venue in austin texas for example that's like a you know an artistic city uh, that i can just the first one that i can think of but you know what i'm saying like is it only uh big time uh events and and musicians or is it something that we can apply in our everyday 
I think I think it's made to for us. It's you know it's about serving every artist. I mean, we start with you know artists that do have a little bit of story and uh, you know some some depth behind like the the assets that they want to share. But for sure, the aim is to let every artist just distribute and and be able to create content in this new canvas. Uh, how they they feel fit? You know, we see it as just like like you create content for YouTube create content for our mobile game because it's just another distribution channel but we have gamification and monetization tied in that makes it a lot more interesting than just putting some content out right you can really connect with your your fans however you you want to design um, that experience um i, I want to ask you a question specific to that because you know dead mouse coming in and you mentioned something that he created the the first one with the collaboration of his of his um fans right which i think is amazing i think that um I, i'm definitely not a musician but i've had the pleasure of speaking to them and we've had other spaces before in which we dove straight into the topic of what it is that it's going to take for other big names in the music space to be attracted to this and definitely i think that web3 provides that true um collaboration experience working with you know the back and forth etc of of absolutely knowing who you're doing this for and um, and and the fluid communication between both. So why are not more um, big names interested in that? It's it it's something that I often think about of um, get, with the royalties availability, right? With the with the opportunity of decentralization, with the opportunity of owning their own contract, with the opportunity of um, working with really innovative product projects and creators such as yourself with the opportunity of being able to engage and really tailor something for your fans and with your fans. What do you think is still holding them back? It's uh, I think it's the rights landscape. You know, one of the amazing things about Dead Mouse and, and this next generation of artists is they are fiercely independent. You know, they own all of their masters and, and their rights and they have the flexibility to do whatever they want. And not all artists have that same ability just because of how complex, you know, their deal structures might be or their rights uh, uh, managed. So Web3 offers the ability to completely solve that. And I think it's we will get there very, I think I'm very hopeful in the next few years that the traditional music industry can really experiment. But right now, um, artists under major label deals are a little bit more restricted when thinking about NFTs just because um, the nature of, of their deals. It is changing. Um, but independent artists are the ones that are really leading the pack. And we see that, you know, right now in the NFT community, it's, I think it will be that way for quite a while. Independent artists will always show what's possible. They'll push the boundaries and, you know, create infrastructure around themselves. And then, you know, the industry starts to catch up. But it's a really incredible moment right now. I think we've got some people on the call as well. They're re literally at the forefront, not only releasing uh, you know, incredible NFTs, but also de developing formats and sharing code with the world. So it, it's a it's a very unique moment right now that I think you will see major names in the space. They already are. Um, but I think we'll actually see more superstars created than entering. We would love to. You mentioned you have some people on the call. If if, um, if anybody's on your team and wants to add some more to this discussion, we would absolutely love to. Welcome them up on the stage. And speaking of the stage, we have a friend of the show, Raul. Raul, welcome. How are you? What do you think? Hey, hey guys. How's it going? Um, good to 
good to be here. Thank you for this great conversation. Uh, super, super exciting to hear uh, you guys' thoughts and obviously a big admirer of the work that um, you guys do. And um, yeah, I was, I was thinking through the conversation and, you know, the common thread that, that goes between music and gaming and, you know, the different things that we're talking about is storytelling. Uh, yet, I think in this space, uh, we had this sort of uh, kind of talk a few months ago where people were saying storytelling NFTs, storytelling NFTs, but really still, it's still very lacking in this space. And I was just curious from you guys' perspective, like, why do you think that we still haven't been able to to tap into storytelling, both from, you know, the the projects that are out there? And I'm not speaking, obviously, in general terms, I know there's, there's, there's things that are out there, but just, um, for the most part, I think, uh, the space still hasn't gotten there where you see web two utilizes storytelling, uh, quite a lot. And I was just curious when you're talking about, you know, even this really exciting things with artists or gaming, uh, what do you think the, the, the role of storytelling is going to be in, being able to share these um, the things that are happening in the space that others outside of the space don't really get because uh, usually we lead the conversation with the tech and not the story or not the you know the what's really happening behind the scenes. Uh, sure, I'm going to give you an example which um, many of you I don't know may may or may not have played but may have heard of, which is a game uh, called Splinterlands. Um, and so Splinterlands, I think, is a great example of storytelling where the game itself and the game mechanic is, you know, is not technically challenging. It's a very proven, simple game format. It's a trading card game. Um, and what they've done, though, is the team, you know, over the many years that they've been running that game has built a huge amount of lore and myth around the characters uh, in the game. And they've really embraced the community. And so there's a tremendous amount of fan-generated content and, you know, kind of fan fiction and things like that that go around the mythology of the characters in that game. So I think, you know, that's a great example of where it's really all about the story because it's not like an action game or something like that. This is a, this is a sort of more Dungeons & Dragons, Magic the Gathering style card game. Um, and I think that there are other examples of that. Um, I think it's just that one of the things that we've lacked in the space, frankly, is a lot of storytellers. Um, so the more storytellers we get, um, the more of these kind of products will start to emerge. I think it's really interesting with music because, you know, the format of music has been reduced so much to the point where now it's in, you know, an MP3 on a uh, streaming solution. And with the metaverse, the canvas now just suddenly opens up. You know, the art, an artist can really think about other forms of expression. And, you know, music videos have always been a thing where a musician can tell a story and, and build that. But it's not so common. And I think it's really interesting. We've got some people on the call like TalkTime um, and many others, you know, who are building uh, law within, you know, their, their worlds and, and, you know, developing characters and, and even just playing with animation, which is really fun. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to see how the music industry adopts this style of thinking because it's a more transmedia way of approaching the art. It's not just music now. It's music with 
you know, some elements of film in there. You know, The Weeknd is doing this and, and many artists are experimenting, you know, with that crossover. But then you add gaming and it's just a whole new canvas. And I, I'm I'm really intrigued. And a lot of the tools that we're building are, you know, tr aimed at helping artists enter into that space. Like if you could now express yourself as an avatar or express yourself in this new medium, what would you do? And, and how would you create with your fans? I think that's really an amazing opportunity for storytelling and music to come together that it's still, you know, untouched right now. We have to thank you for bringing up, bringing up talk time. Uh, I haven't heard of you guys, but uh, if any of y'all know me, you know that I am obsessed with finding new music uh, on my Spotify, <laughs> on my Spotify uh, personality. You know, that wrap up that they did. I was considered an early adopter. Okay, so uh, it's not only in Web3. Uh, but power user, <laughs> I just followed you guys. Welcome to our show. I uh, would love to hear your thoughts on on you know all the conversations that we're having from a musician's perspective. Oh yeah, no, I'm, I'm just like I'm feeling so fortunate to have have linked with Inder and his team, and like we we're we're definitely bullish on like the 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 world building aspect and that web3 can also help connect um and yeah I, and just like if anyone who knows me like i'm i'm like always talking about like interactivity and music nfts and and like how we're trying to be out here like providing a better uh experience than than what's happening you you kind of have to be more entertaining or, or interesting or have something to offer than spotify right and because um yeah so we've just we've been doing our our web3 experiments we've we've you know uh linked with a, a great smart contract developers called props and and released like a, a you know a, a, what i'm told is the first like interactive full album that you can mint as, as one as one nft and um doing more stuff with them this year too i'm just i yeah i think it i think it's been a theme in a lot of spaces i've been in i think a lot of experimenting coming this year in and excitement in in the music nft space like around experimentation and and people a lot and a lot of doers you know what i mean like a lot like you got your decent xyz like building out like custom contracts and crazy crazy stuff they're there's a lot to look out for this year, and I think it's going to be um, really fun. Yeah, just 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 happy to have met Inder and and his team, and excited to to build out this necessary evil uh, is the title of the, the the music video that we dropped on Glass, and 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 we're gonna <laughs> we kind you know we kind of uh, started the the story there. Anyways, uh, like. I feel like I'm, uh, you know. <laughs> no, you're doing a great job. Thank okay. you. <laughs> I Rad. got you. Don't worry about it. You're doing a fantastic job. And I, sick, you know, sick, 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 sick. 
we always you know. love to have new creators that come up and give a you know your perspective honestly web3 was made for people and for groups and for creators just like you and me and so it's amazing to be able to get everybody up here and talk about this right so i want to i do want to switch it just a little bit because um open edition something other fun another aspect fun aspect of what's going on currently in the ecosystem right now specifically of artists and of what's like getting all of the attention right now open editions and i really wanted to take everybody's take on that of what you are seeing is this something that has gotten your attention is this something that you are familiar with? Is this something that you are participating truly? If you take a look at OpenSea right now, you'll see that a lot of trending items, a lot of the trending projects happen to be art related. When's the last time that we actually saw that happen, right? In a really long time. And interestingly enough, open editions are not new to the NFT space. Nifty Gateway actually launched this in, in 2021. Um, and it wasn't anything new. But I, I want to give just for the context of it, I'm going to give just a tiny little, you know, definition of, of exactly what we mean when we when we say open edition. So as we see it right now, something that truly has become popular in the NFT space um, has been timed open editions. I throw in the timed in there because it's really important to, to make that difference of artists are are in the space opening up their own contract and saying hey here is an nft um go out and mint it here's my contract please mint as many as you want or whatever i have limited to but i'm only going to have it available for a limited amount of time and what has happened in the past maybe three to four weeks is a rush a tremendous rush to creators and artists using most more than not manifold um, to create their own contracts and drop their own NFTs. And there is a tremendous rush to open it up for only a few minutes. I have participated in this. Many other people have participated in this. But backlash has has like really really started two numbers that i want to throw out there actually three numbers that i want to throw out there ness graphics dropped his nft just a couple of days ago and he made headlines because within 90 minutes he was able to um sell out at 2.2 million dollars for the 90 minute drop proceed with caution is another one by lucrece and that one was 164 e Mad Dog Jones jumped in there and created his own, and that was seven hundred thousand dollars in just a matter of you know, yeah, yeah. Big Thor Mascara. Yeah. Uh, what's this other artist? Uh, Don Don Gio's also is a part of that list. Yeah. Continue. Money, money, money everywhere you look. And what's happening is the other side of that is the we're seeing a lot of backlash two different ways. Number one, you're seeing a lot of consumers, a lot of people that are saying, oh, man, this is amazing. This is the first time that I'm ever able to mint something that from this, you know, iconic artist for the first time of something that's not out of my reach, something that I can actually afford. And so I'm going to be buying it. Um but then the backlash comes in that people now are expecting some kind of utility for it. Okay, listen, you just made $2.2 million. What am I going to get out of it, right? What, what are we going to do here? 
And then even further, the backlash has occurred because the majority of the majority of these um, drops have a burning mechanism or a gamification mechanism embedded in them. So take Nest Graphics, for example, you could mint any anywhere uh, from one to five NFTs. But in order to continue to play the game, if you will, to burn them to get something better, you had to have bought five um, so, you know, the argument could be, well, okay, here I am trying to buy one when really the play is to buy five. Um, but why exactly do I want that? So there's so many different ways to attack this discussion, but I'm just going to throw it out there and see, um, general opinions. Lex, I want to start with and you. With me, oh man, we've talked wanna... about this before like three weeks in a row because these open editions just keep coming. I've it continues. Been, yeah, I've been, uh, I've always been the, the person to say, look, I think the reason uh, is that this open edition meta has always been here. It's just the craze of it is because now the artists have the tools to do it very easily without having to wait for a marketplace like Nifty Nifty Gateway to host those open editions. So, um, yeah, I, I completely see it from the artist standpoint of like the tools are there. Why not use it? Um, and I think it's yeah. always coming back to the integrity of the person doing open editions and just being really uh, straight up about... You know, this is a collection for my art, for if you, you know, for people that wanted that have been fans of, of my work, this is a great way to uh, have uh, access, access to it at a lower price point. Um, and as long as like everyone is extremely transparent on uh, what the intention is, I don't see a harm. Uh, but, you know, I, I, I see both sides, I, but I don't think it's all one size fits all i think it's the case by case um but i am actually genuinely happy to see a lot of these artists making bank uh because isn't that what we're here for isn't the the nft space kind of one of those things that we're saying this is where we get rid of the starving artists um you know term um so i mean you know there's there's a lot of there's a lot of different grays in this conversation, but um, I am excited for artists that are taking advantage and that are doing it the right way, right? Like they're, they are being very transparent about the intentions of the, the collection that they're dropping, et cetera. Um, yeah, yeah, go ahead, ta uh, talk time. Yeah, I, I agree. I think, I think for all of these different mechanics that people are trying, there's going to have... Uh, different use cases that that are best for, for them i i personally been beating the drum of of like a full album or an ep is a good use case for an open edition because it operates almost like a i don't know like well it's, it, it it serves a lot of different pur purposes it could uh be useful for airdropping airdropping to people that are new to your sort of ecosystem um but uh yeah especially if it's kind of pa paired against something that has 
more of a deluxe value and is you know capped like a capped edition so yeah anyway <laughs> gonna... yeah i i mean and i think it's different when it's a music that is something that it's meant to con to have as many people consume it uh whereas art uh it's you know you have to kind of push it out there for people for thousands and thousands of people to to consume it um I would love to hear from Inder or Robbie. I don't know if you guys have, you know, if you guys on on your daily life just consume any type of art uh, NFTs or buy any type of art NFTs or, um, but yeah, have you have you guys been seeing any 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 of the things that we've been talking about, and do you have an opinion on it? Um. So coincidentally, I I bought one last week for the first time. I haven't bought an art nft in quite a long time um so uh funny coincidence um but i think um for me it was just because you know it showed up in my twitter feed and i'm like wow that's really beautiful i just i have to have that and it was affordable which, so which one, it, which one which one did you get <laughs> it was hang on i, I will find out um but you it, know it, we it, were gonna ask <laughs> i know i know i will find it um but it reminded me of of um of kind of um uh what's his name magritte the belgian surrealist um it's very cool anyway um i'm not i don't have a particular bias towards any of these mechanics i think frankly number one it's great that artists are experimenting with different ways in which to engage their communities and i think that pricing mechanisms auction mechanisms all this kind of stuff is kind of just it's experimentation to see what their fans like. And if you go to that example you were talking about, for example, the, high, the highly gamified one where, you know, you buy a, a low-priced, lower-priced open edition and then you have to collect several of them and burn them to get something of higher value. I mean, that's really just designed for a native Web3 crypto you know, degen basically, because that has DeFi written all over it to me. And it's because that kind of mechanic appeals to that audience. And so maybe they have a strong collector base in that audience that that kind of mechanic resonates with. And so it's just about really understanding your community and catering, speaking to them in a way that, that connects with them, in my opinion. Very beautifully said. Uh, Robbie, I I feel like Robbie would be really good at reading like um, audiobooks. Like I could totally. <laughs> yeah, you you should tell tell that tell that to my wife. She's always telling me to <laughs> shut up. <laughs> <laughs> We're not. We don't. Robbie, you're not supposed to say that. Just be like, yeah, take take, take the compliment. <laughs> um, Inter, uh, what about you? Have you been seeing any kind of action with the open editions, or what? What's your take with this? Yeah, I mean, I think about it a lot just from from like as a, as a platform, you know, and you, uh, that, that service is artists, right? Ultimately, um, we we want artists to just have the ability to, to choose whatever makes the most sense for them. I completely echo Robbie's um, point, though. It really depends on um, you know your your community and and what um, you know what stage your community is in terms of understanding um, these different drop mechanics. So from from our side it's more of like we want to just give artists the choice but i do think there's a lot 
of simplification that's needed as we think about you know the key theme of mass adoption uh, in the title like you know that a lot of that stuff kind of needs to be abstracted in the early stages uh, and then kind of breadcrumbed over time as you kind of nurture and then teach you know your community about web3 um from you know if, if you're sort of bringing new people in not necessarily a more kind of traditional web3 play so yeah it really depends on on you know who who it is and, and what the kind of mechanics are and, and why they're using it i think there's a amazing opportunity to be super creative with storytelling and deep you know draw, almost incentivize deep engagement through you know these more advanced mechanisms but like i said it it has to just be done in the right context it's so easy to overdo it in web3 because you have infinite possibilities to some extent right it's the kind of ideas of nfts and, and how people may think about building utility could almost become a little bit of a, a black hole like i think the a the best is try and figure out what's going to work for you know your fans and then slowly um you know slowly evolve uh, you know from there both of you bring up incredible points it's something that that struck me or made me think about it was you're right when you say that there's different components to this right the defi component to this the burning mechanism the the utility component to this is completely different to what artists have been able to truly um, put their fingers at, like be able to access it. Now, uh, ma Manifold, and I'm sure that we'll continue to see a lot more products that provide this uh, at your fingertip service, if you will, for artists to do it the way that they want to. I would, I would argue that that's like another plus, another um, benefit of artists embracing in, in the Web3 space. And a really interesting thing now that, Lex, I'm sure that you could speak to this too. We've been doing this, you know, for over a year of hosting Twitter spaces. And a really interesting thing at the beginning of when we first started this, um, artists that we would speak to had a hard time with um, being able to find out, find utility for it. Now it's something that they have learned to, uh, or that we have seen them embrace it and tailor that and figure out and make it their own, which I think is really interesting to see. They're getting creative. I think they're putting in and they're doing it because they want to. I think that's one of the most important things that when we talk with artists, it's like, utility is completely up to you and what is that and what that looks like is completely up to you and i think it's just um you know like we, when we saw uh thank you x with his um with his project last year that was a perfect example of that with gabe weiss that was also a perfect example of that but when we talked to him to both of them they were very aware of the um the repercussions in a way and they were very uh specific about the things that they wanted to do so they didn't do it necessarily based on okay i if i'm going to do a collection i need to have utility it was more so how can i connect people through my art and make this a community that people can connect uh through the art and exchanging of the art and all of that so yeah i mean we can sit here and talk you know, hours and hours on, on strategies that artists have utilized to, to apply this. But um, yeah, it's really cool to see, like, like you guys have said, just the, the evolution of, uh, and the experimentation that everyone has done. Um, 
and that's kind of across the board in art in gaming in music um so and and i want to ask you and you know we've seen platforms like royal uh or sound xyz uh, some sort of uh, or be one of the main players in the music nft space uh and it's kind of like um mm, do i want to call it open edition kind of i mean it is timed and it is a lot of people and it is a fixed price um do you think that that is a play that's going to be adopted in music nfts or how do you see the the purchasing part i think i understand the the uh the experience part uh how do you see the the buying part happening yeah it's a good question i mean right now you know it's sort of there's still you know a few a few a handful of platforms um all kind of experimenting but you know if we're thinking about mainstream adoption i i still think we're we're quite away from seeing what that's actually going to look like in terms of you know what kind of nfts music nfts are really going to connect with fans and, and what kind of experience and tools are needed to for artists to truly take advantage of it you know what's really exciting right now is just seeing musicians you know experimenting with programmers and understanding smart contracts and thinking about what that means for their career that's incredibly empowering um but when it comes to the drop mechanics and, and what's going to be the uh, the way for mainstream adoption. I mean, I don't think it's going to be what we see right now, right? It's still clunky. It, you know, it's still generally clunky, highly technical. Um, I think there's just going to be a number of different touch points. And like music, you know, it, music has, uh, you know, people kind of connect around the communities that they love, the genres that they love. I think initially we'll start to see some products kind of form around certain genres and, and kind of little uh, sectors. Um, before, you know, we really see what mainstream tools start to, you know, like a mainstream experience looks, uh, looks like. I, music NFTs can mean so many different things, right? For us, it's about interactive experiences and experiencing this content in games and in the metaverse. And for others, it's, you know, a dynamic way to listen to a song or just the ability to collect that music. So I think we, we're still in the stage of defining what it is. And I think that's that's the beauty of it, of it right now. There's multiple directions um, and all of these are going to ultimately add huge value for artists because now they have choice. You know, before they didn't really have much choice you know it's distribute on spotify do a live show sell some merch and now you almost have this explosion of formats and i think naturally that will unfold and then we'll see what mainstream adoption will look like over the next few years as artists like talk time and, and dead mouse and others push the boundaries of their creativity in this space pushing the boundaries of creativity with tech that is pretty much the conclusion on I think of the majority of the verticals that we talk to, you know, that's fashion, music, art, like anything, you know, it's, it's really, it really comes down to that. Um, I appreciate you guys so much for coming and spending this hour with us. Uh, we're coming to an end here. So just want to ask uh, Inder or Robbie, anything that you guys want to share before we close this space out? Don't not everyone at the same time, please. No, nothing for nothing particular for me. Thank you. No, I think I had a I had a great time and it's it's fantastic chatting with you ladies and, and Inder always good to chat. 
So, um, you know, the more that we can share about what we're doing, um, hopefully the more we learn. Absolutely. Thank you. And by the way, um, where'd you get that caricature, that PFP? <laughs> you, the funny thing is, it was actually hand-drawn by somebody. Um, I, I spoke at a conference last uh, last fall, and uh, the, the guy who organized the conference had one drawn by a local artist in Italy for all of the speakers. Damn! I want to get one of those. That looks super cool. I like. Yeah, it, it was. Really, it was. I thought it was a great idea. It was very charming. That is. Uh, I'm gonna next time we go to NFT NYC, Bell. We have to get a caricature of our pretty faces. Uh, and dirt. Uh, likewise, very pretty PFP. Very aesthetically pleasing. Looks like it was a whole photo shoot uh, there. Uh, I won't ask you about the backstory, but is there anything else that we didn't cover that you would like to bring up? <laughs> no, no, thanks for having me. Um, yeah, good to catch, uh, speak with you as well, Robbie. Um, yeah, I mean, anyone who wants, if you're interested in, in what we're doing, like just reach out. Like we're, we're always looking to collaborate with new artists and partners as well. So um, definitely just hit us up and we can we can chat music in the metaverse. But yeah, I really appreciate uh, you know your, your time today. What kind of artists are you looking uh, to reach out? I'm just, I'm just diving a little deeper into that just in case anyone listening can, you know, maybe they are the right person to reach out. But um, what are you guys, what are you looking for? Uh, who are you looking to connect with? So music artists, for sure. You know, if you're making music and, and want to release in the metaverse, then definitely hit us up. But at the same time, if you're launching, you know, NFT projects, doing anything relatively creative, within the space or circle of music um, or you, you feel it could be your work could be relevant, like hit us up for sure. I mean, we're always building out creative networks and, you know, finding new ways to collaborate and support, uh, you know, an ecosystem. So I say everyone <laughs> definitely, if Perfect. you think it's interesting, just send, you know, definitely get in touch. How can people get in touch with you? You can uh, DM me. That's, that's always the quickest. Perfect. Yeah. Y'all heard it here first. If you're a musician, artist, DM, Ender. Um, and I, if anything comes out of this space, uh, please come back and tell us your testimonials because uh, connecting people through a Twitter space happens more times than others. And we absolutely love hearing anything that happens afterwards because of these conversations that we're having. Um, I thought so you were, Lex, I thought you were going to say, if anything happens out of this and you get royalties, come back and talk to me. And I was going to say, that's right. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I wouldn't complain about that either. So that's not a bad idea. Uh, yeah, ha have that in mind too. But <laughs> no, just the just the matter of connecting brilliant minds and making things happen. Uh, it's enough for me. Clearly, not enough for Bell. But, <laughs> but look, I, so, somebody's got to watch out for the bottom line, baby. Somebody's got to watch out for it. <laughs> I'm, hey, I'm not mad about it. That's why we're co-hosting because we need a yin and a yang. Um, thank you, everyone who came out. Thank you, Robbie Ender. Uh, talk it was so nice to meet you and and i'm gonna check out your music after this raul luis Icorma, adam uh lex rick um 
Bra Bratovanov. Uh, I see you guys here. You guys are always interacting and coming to our shows. And uh, we love, 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 love your support. We're here every single Wednesday at 4 p.m. Central Standard Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time. Um, and we're here every week. So hope to see you next week. Belle, throw it back to you. Yes, it's been an honor to have you guys as speaker on here. And it's been an honor that you chose to spend an hour of your time with us. You could have chosen any other Twitter space and yet you here you are with us and you have no idea how much we appreciate that. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for coming with us. Make sure that you followed everybody who spoke today and, uh, who, you know, and our special guests also today, um, because that is how we're going to make music NFTs revolutionary. It's going to happen. I fully believe in it. And with Animoca brands, come on, what more could we look for or, or ask for? So thank you everybody for joining us today. It has been a special one. Don't forget if you didn't know, now, you know, and we will see you next week. Yeah.